Good evening. It's great to be with you here again and just want to thank, you know, Pastor Phil and the leadership for inviting me and giving me the opportunity just to come here and, and speak, you know, there's a real sense of God's presence, real sense that God wants to just speak to people and minister to them. God is always looking to do good. He's a good God. He's a plan for every life. A lot of people don't know that yet, but he has a plan for every life. <clears throat> he created this world and he created you for a purpose. Your life is not meaningless. The good news brings hope in every single situation. There's not a pit that anybody's in that God can't reach them and touch them and totally change their lives. I'm going to be sharing a little bit of my story with you tonight. How I was trapped in drug addiction for 10 years and lived a life of literally hell on earth. But before I get there, I'm going to try and weave it in tonight with a story from the Bible. A young man in the Bible called Meshubabeth. It's quite a name. Um, you know, you'd be, able to fight with, you'd be able to fight with a name like that. <coughs> but, you know, his name's Mish- I hope there's nobody here but that name, by the way. I don't. <laughs> you just never know, do you? Meshubabeth. And there's one in the building. Um, but his name's Meshubabeth. And he was the son of Jonathan, who was the son of Saul. And Saul was David's friend. And him and David made a covenant with each other. And I just want to pick up the story. They've made a covenant with each other. I heard, you heard this morning, Jonathan's dad, you know, was a nasty piece of work. He was full of rage and jealousy and anger, but Jonathan had a good heart. And him and David became very close friends and they made a covenant with each other. And I just want to read you two scriptures. You don't need to turn, to, turn with them. Let me just read them to you. And then I'll share a bit of my story. The, the title of, of what I'm going to share tonight is The King is Looking for You. The king is looking for you. And in 2 Samuel 4.4, 4, it says this, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was born lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jeruel. In other words, this young man, Meshubabeth, his grandfather and his father died. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled and his name was Meshubabeth. And then 2 Samuel in chapter 9 in verses 1 to 3. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a, great, there was a servant of Saul's household whose name was Ziba. They called him to appear before David and the king said to him, Are you Ziba, your servant? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? Ziba answered, King, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is in the house of Marka, the son of Amil, in Lodibar. So the king had him brought from Lodibar, from the house of Merke, the son of Amil. When Meshubabeth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came, he bowed down before David and honoured him. David said, Meshubabeth, your servant, he replied, don't be afraid. David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belongs to you and to your grandfather. Meshubabeth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dog 
like me. This young man, Meshubabeth, had a very bad start in life. He was crippled in both feet. His father died, his grandfather died, and he found himself in a place called Lodi Bar. And Lodi Bar was a place, it means there's no bread. There was nothing there to satisfy. I, I grew up in one of the worst council estates in Europe, and Lodi Bar was probably not far off it. It was a bad place to live. It was the bottom of the ladder. And I remember growing up, you see, you can't determine where you're born or who your mum and dad's going to be or where you're going to be born. As you can tell from my accent, I was born in New Zealand. No, I'm <laughs> I was brought up in Glasgow by my mother. And my mother did her best for us. But my mother had a drinking problem. For a period of her life, I would even say that she was an alcoholic. And when you're young, things really matter to you. When you're older, things don't matter. But when you're young, stuff matters, like clothes, labels. I mean, most people were wearing Nike. I got the closest I could to it. I had a pair of trainees that were called Spikey. <laughs> and I remember growing up, my mother was an alcoholic. My older brother, my older sister, and my little sister... And I grew up in this big council estate. And there was no any ambition in my life. There was no hope to be anything. And from the day I, I remember going to school, I absolutely hated it. Because I went to school and, you know, I never wore the right clothes. So I used to get called names. You know, you're a tramp and you're stinking and get away from me. I was just never fitted in. I was just not one of the boys because I didn't dress well, I didn't look well, I was probably ungroomed. You would probably say, if you looked at me years ago, that boy is neglected. And there's an old rhyme that says, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But how many of you know that words are powerful? If you tell somebody long enough they're an idiot, and they're no good, and they don't look good, I'm telling you, those words actually begin, you start to believe it. And then you lose confidence and you just think you're nothing. And I'll tell you, there's people sitting here like that tonight. Doesn't matter what age you are or what background, but words have robbed you of your confidence, robbed you of abundant life, robbed you of stuff. And I remember my mother used to say to me every day almost, you, you're nothing but an idiot. And it was, I was clumsy, I was nervous. I had no confidence. I'd go to school, you know, getting into trouble. Then I went to secondary school and, you know, I started smoking. I remember drinking cans of lager on street corners. You don't think you're doing anybody any harm. You just think, you know, I'm just having a laugh. I'm, I'm trying to fit in with the crowd. I'm 12 years of age. You're trying to interested in the opposite sex. And, you know, and then I remember at 12 years of age, I had my first joint. Somebody handed me a joint with some dope in it and I started to smoke it. I started to take drinking drugs at around about the age of 12 and I found a comfort in them. I found a, a comfort away from the life I was living. My, my home life was chaotic. You would be amazed what happens behind closed doors. You would be shocked. And I remember about the age of 13, 14, I got a stepfather into my life, and me and my stepfather had something in common. I hated him, and he hated me. I mean, I hated him with a passion. And him and my mother would be drinking at weekends, 
Every weekend they would be drinking. Sometimes I'd come home from school and my mother wouldn't be there and I'd have to go down to the local pub and I'd say, is, my mum's name was Mary, is Mary there? And my mum used to come out from the pub a little bit drunk. Me and my sister were standing there, 12 years of age. She used to give us some money and we used to go for fish and chips and play in the park and we'd be in that park to 11 at night until my mum came out. Then we'd go home. And then once we got home, the fighting would start. I remember my little sister running in, into my room once. She came in beside me and we put pillows over her head so I couldn't hear my mother screaming. This man had broke my mother's fingers and snapped them in front of me. And I thought, when I'm older, I am going to wipe you out. There was hardly a month went by where I never saw my mother with a black eye or something. I remember putting the pillows over our heads. We would hear screaming. And I used to think, God, somebody get me out of this life. I mean, I was 12, 13. You should be enjoying life, playing football. I had no confidence at school. I went from one drug to another drug. Eventually, I started taking a drug, LSD. It's a hallucinogenic drug. It, it, it knocks you off your mind. It blows your mind. It burns out your brain cells. You don't know where you're coming or going. You're hallucinating. I started getting into Pink Floyd. I don't know, you probably never heard of them. Maybe you have. But anyway, I spent 12 years trying to get over the wall and couldn't, couldn't get over it. <laughs> the wall was too high and I could not see. And then when I did get to the top, I fell off it. But I started taking LSD. By this time, I was about 13, 14, getting up for 15. My personality started to change. I started to become angry. I was never a brave guy, but I started to become violent. I was a coward at school. I got bullied at school. And remember one day somebody hit me, and I don't know what happened, but I just snapped. And I realized I could fight. And I realized I was a bit mental. I thought, this is brilliant. There's a lot of people I want to get back. I went to a party one night, and somebody was chopping up this white powder. And they said, do you want some? And I was nervous. So I rolled up this 10 pound note and I remember taking a line of this powder up my nose and the only way I can describe it to you, it was a drug called speed amphetamine. And all of a sudden, within 15 minutes, it felt like my spirit was busting outside my body. And I'll tell you, I went from being shy, no confidence, to being very confident. I mean, I'm talking about very confident. I mean, I became the life and soul of the party when I started taking this drug. But eventually, I would take this drug at weekends. And then eventually I became addicted to it. And, and at this time, as I say, there was a lot of violence at home. My brother had done 13 years in prison. My, my sister had stabbed her husband five times. My older sister was getting messed up in drugs. Uh, and my younger sister was getting messed up in drugs. And my, my, my older sister was in a violent relationship, getting beat up. I mean, it was totally dysfunctional. <coughs> I started taking this drug at weekends and then eventually I started taking it every day till eventually I ended up addicted to this drug for 10 years of my life. The very thing that I thought would, I thought would bring me happiness and satisfaction was the very thing that started to destroy me. I mean, I remember moving from place to place trying to get away from my lifestyle, but how many people know when you move, you know, it's not the place you're in, it's, it's you, there's something in you. I remember moving to England and I was there trying to get away from it. Eventually, eventually, 
my weight went down to six and a half stone, seven stone. I was with my girlfriend one night. I'd, I'd went through different, all, all sorts of relationships. And you know, I never thought this would happen to me, but I remember I, I moved away down to England. I ended up in a Salvation Army hostel. I was in my 20s. I remember lying in a Salvation Army hostel. It was a, a big hostel with all old men in it. The smell of urine. And I, I was 19, 20 years of age and I was lying there and I thought, my goodness, is this my life? And then eventually, I went back to Scotland. And, you know, I remember in my flat one door, I thought, I'm ending it. So I tried to take my life and somebody found me. I got rushed to hospital and and when I got there, and after stitching me up and speaking to me, I, they put you, when you try and take your life, what they do is they, they put you in front of a psychiatrist. I'll never forget it. I was looking at this psychiatrist, and he said, Mr. Fallon, he said, what, what is, tell me about your future. Now, you need to remember, I did not look like this, sound like this, or look this good, if I don't say so myself. <laughs> and he says to me, what's your future? And I looked at him and I said, I have no future. And he gave me a, a box of Valium and he said, you're full of anxiety, you're full of this, take them. And I thought that was it. I went back to my flat. My, my life went absolutely spiral. When you're, when you're on drugs, let me tell you, you don't care about anybody or anything. Nothing. Nothing. I threw my own mother through a glass coffee table in a fit of rage. I beat my older brother up with an iron bar. I was, I fought with my stepfather. I was so bitter. I was so angry at the world. And God, what would God want with a dog like me? All that, in trouble with police. Eventually I was in this flat with my girlfriend. There was a mattress, no cooker, no washing machine, no wardrobe, no nothing. Mattress. And me and her lying on it with some cigarettes in an old flat. We used to come in and throw our clothes in this corner. Horrible, stinking. Throw them in this corner. Big pile of horrible clothes. And one day she says, no, I'll go up to my cousin's house. We'll take that washing up. And I said, okay, let's go up. And she said, there's only one thing, he's a born-again Christian. I says, don't worry about it, we've all got problems. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's the thing about Glasgow, you've got a sense of humour, even though you're in a mess. We used to laugh our way through stuff. So we go up, there's this guy called George. <clears throat> so we're sitting down, put the washing in, and got a cup of tea, yeah, and he says, I know somebody can help you. I said, who? And he said, Jesus. Chill out, George, have a joint. <laughs> Jesus. He went, Jesus has got a plan and a purpose for your life. He can help you. He loves you. And I was getting agitated. I was like, listen, mate, I'm up here to get my washing done. And do you know what? I'm telling you, I, don't, I didn't know then, but I know now. I'm telling you, that washing machine spun and spun and spun. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost gave that spin another 10 minutes. <laughs> and to this day, I'm convinced of it. You know those spinners, and then there's a timer on the door, and, and she, my, I said to my girlfriend, get it, she's trying to pull it home. She went, it's on a timer, and the Holy Ghost was just doing that. Give him another minute, we're almost there. But you don't know that at the time, you just want to get out. 
So I grabbed it and I went, we went down. I said, don't take me there again, man. He's mental. We went home at night and we're lying there and I'm thinking, and do you know what? I remembered something when I was eight and there was a fight in the house. I got really scared and I remember praying, God, help me. I remember a piece came into my room, but I'd forgot about it, but I remembered. Here I was, trying to take my life in total despair and I remembered I prayed to God. I got up the next morning Sunday morning at six o'clock from that flat. Had a pair, remember, I had a pair of, remember old baseball boots with a rubber on them? Mine were special. They had a hole in the bottom. My sock used to come out, I'd ring it out, put it back in, <laughs> pick up doubts on the way home. My girlfriend said, where are you going? It's six in the morning. I said, church. I went down to church, chapped the door. Nobody was there, so I sat there. I remember I had a t-shirt on, Derham's, these baseball boots. And I remember my hands were shaking. I was trying to roll a cigarette like that. I was sitting on the stairs. I was freezing. I had no jacket. I mean, I remember I, I met the cold. It was, it was freezing. And it was starting to shower a little bit. And next minute, the pastor came. Honestly, the pastor, you know, because you don't know about church. I didn't know about church. I didn't know what it was like. And he came and went, hi, Welcome. Oh, goodness me, is this, is this my dad? Is this my long? Am I your son? He was, so, he was so happy to see me. I've never seen anybody that happy to see me. He's like, come in, son. I said, this is brilliant. And I goes in. Pentecostal church it was. I don't know if you've ever been in a Pentecostal church or this is your first time in a church, but I know this. I've never been embarrassed for a group of people in all my life. <laughs> as I was that morning. I mean, I was looking, I was looking for the father. I was like, where's the father? Somebody needs to get a grip of this place. And they were singing, they were cla- clapping. I'm sitting at the back and they're... I was like, what are they clapping about? And then they were lifting. And I'm looking up. I'm looking up, I so said, what are you doing? Who are you, what, what are you doing? People behind me speaking Russian as well. <laughs> By the way. Next minute, this wee woman grabs a tambourine. She's, she's doing the... And I, I, I remember the song they were singing. They were singing a song called My Shackles Are Gone. She's giving it a bit of my shackle. And I'm like... I'm thinking, I think George is dealing down here. You can't, this is, she's playing the tambourine they're all giving it my shackles are gone my spirit is free praise the Lord he rescued me and the pastor gets up young guy trendy hi everybody and they all shout hi he's preaching away 10 years of drug addiction I tell you I did not look good and he said, give me a minute. He said, Jesus came and died for sinners. So he said, I know what I thought. I never thought I've had a bad life. 
I never thought my ma was bad. I never thought, I never knew my father. I never thought any of that. I'll tell you what I did think right at that moment. I am the most selfish man on earth. I have lived for nobody but me. I am rotten to the core. And I heard a message about love. And I remember he was preaching away. There was no altar call. Nobody was playing a piano. I remember falling. I fell on the ground. My nose was running. I looked totally undignified. It wasn't nice looking. But when you're that desperate, you don't actually care anymore. I had no dignity left. It's gone. And a man came up and put his hand on me. And he says, would you like to become a Christian? I'm sobbing. I said, yes, I would. And he said, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I'll tell you, it's like that. It was like somebody had took a scrubbing brush and cleaned Jay Fallon from the inside out. It was amazing. I just felt this love, liquid love flowing through me. And I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew Jesus Christ is alive and I am different. I knew it from that moment. I know with some people it's gradual, but I just knew my life's going to change. I feel clean and I'm telling you, see when you've done what I've done and you've seen what I've seen, I'll tell you, there's not a doctor in the land who can open you up and take out guilt and take out regret. You can drink it away. You can drug it away. You can go into relationships. You can run away. You can do it all. But I'll tell you, only Jesus can take it away legally and set you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Son of God. (laughs) 28 years later, I'm still free. I'm still passionate. It was amazing. I remember walking out of the church. Oh, I'll tell you, it looked like the sky had just been painted. It looked pure blue. I'd been locked in this darkness for years and pain and anger. And I thought, man, the sky. I thought, of course there's a God. Look at the sky. Remember looking at the grass. My goodness, it's pure green. I remember running home in Glasgow. You don't dare us in Glasgow. I remember running home. I stopped at a garden. You need to remember, I'm six and a half stone, seven stone. I'm, I'm, I'm wasted. My hair's matted. My eyes are sunk out the back of my head. And I'm crying looking at a rosy dendron <laughs> in Glasgow. I remember touching the flower. God, I can see you everywhere. Of course you're there. How did I not see this before? And do you know what? I walked by that wee church for years. Went home, told my girlfriend. Went home, told my mum. Told them all, and they're all thinking, what, what is he on? What's he took? He used to be a punk, then he was a mod, then he was a teddy boy, and he was a Christian. <laughs> just, they thought it's just a fad. A long time passed. I struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled to live the Christian life. Made a few mistakes on my journey. Somebody in the church said, you need to go to Teen Challenge. They put me on a bus. 
went to Wales. I'd never, I'd never been on holiday. When I went to Wales, I thought it was in the Costa del Sol. <laughs> I'd never seen a live animal. I'd never seen a beach. I'd never been on a plane, never been on a holiday. I lived in this place called Drum Chapel, and that's where I lived. Never been out it. Once I went, I went to Aberdeen. I thought I was going on holiday, and I got dropped off at a children's home. I walked through the doors of Teen Challenge. Never forget it. Couldn't believe I had an opportunity. It's a Christian discipleship course. I went through that program, done the studied, done the studies, started to believe in that God had a plan and purpose for my life. I tell you, I just believed God. I remember walking in, I had nothing. Do you know when you know you deserve nothing, you're grateful for everything. I remember I put my old bony finger in a word called chosen. It's my favourite word in the Bible. God, it says in the Bible, God has chosen you. I've even got it printed on my Bible, chosen. I used to put my finger in that every day when I was struggling and struggling and struggling. Eventually, let me tell you how God changed me. When my stepfather was dying, let me tell you the power of the gospel. When my stepfather was dying, I was the first at his bed saying, I forgive you. God loves you, John. I was right there with him. I said, God, John, I forgive you. I totally forgive you. And I'll tell you, it was no problem. My mother, my mother got saved under my ministry. Amen. Came forward, led her to the Lord. Ten years, we had a marvellous ten years together. Buying her flowers, bringing her own holiday. God started to restore. Started testifying for Teen Challenge, then I started preaching. And I've been in full-time ministry over 20 years. Travelled around the world. Never, never been on a plane. I remember the first time somebody phoned me up and said, would you like to come to America and preach? I thought it was one of my mates. I was like, you having a laugh? And he went, pardon? I went, oh, this is serious. I went, hold on. I thought, I'll just check my diary. Hold on. I'll pray about it. Yes, I can come. <laughs> yes. I've worked on the streets, working with drug addicts and prostitutes. Probably over, over 20 years I've done it. I've seen miracle after miracle. You know, God blessed me with a wonderful wife. I wonder who would ever want me. You know, all I really wanted was a family and a house, and I've got that. See this suit I've got on? God gave me it. I am nothing, and I never will be anything on this side of earth or on the other side it's Christ Meshubabeth wasn't even looking for God he was in a low place can you imagine can you imagine when the chariot the king's chariots came into Lodibar like, hey what's this who are you looking for Meshubabeth talking about Meshubabeth but the guy that's crippled he lives up there that clown that's a Glaswegian version Who's Miss Sibabeth? He said, who's looking for him? And he said, the king has sent us. And maybe you're here tonight. And I want to tell you something. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. The king is looking for you. The king is looking to change your life. See, I wasn't even looking for God, but he was looking at me. It says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, 
That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, it's not about knowledge, it's about believing. A child can believe. A dying man on a thief can believe. A dying man of cancer can believe. I'm asking you tonight to believe. And you say, well, you know, sorry mate, I believe in the big bang theory. That's like saying there was an explosion in a scrapyard and a BMW came out. You were created by God for a reason. This world was created by God. You're looking at a man who was lying on a mattress dying. I was was literally bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road. And he came and poured in the oil and the wine. You can be totally forgiven. The king is looking for you. Are you in Lodibar? Are you in a place where there's no satisfaction? You've tried relationships. You're in a room with a hundred people, but you still feel empty. You've got a girl on your arm and you should be happy, but there's something just missing. You've got a job you always wanted and thank God you have and you've worked hard for it, but you think there must be more in life than this. I'll tell you, it doesn't matter if you're up there or, where, or down there. God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. This man was crippled because of a fall. And the Bible says, all of us are fallen and so sort of the glory of God. This man was sought by a king and so are you and so was I. This man was in a far country in a dark place. This man was saved because of another, because of Jonathan. They'd made a covenant, and there's a God in heaven who's made a covenant with his son. He said, whoever believes on me shall be saved. I travel around the world preaching. I've just got a new role working with Global Teen Challenge. It's in 130 countries. Honestly, I couldn't take myself serious. I'm having a laugh. But why would anybody want to come and hear me speak? I really couldn't take myself serious. And I'm telling you, there's thousands out there. And God's ambassadors in this house tonight need to go and tell them, the king is looking for you. The king has a plan for your life. Listen to Psalm 113 verse 4. Will you listen? I'm nearly finished. The Lord is exalted over the all the nations, his glory above the heaven. Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits on high who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sits them with princes, with princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home and the happy mother of her children. Praise God. In other words, God stoops down and comes and lifts up the poor and the needy and the broken. Look, 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 4.18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news, to bind up the brokenhearted. And it amazing me, all the technology. You can phone your auntie in Australia. You can Facebook, you know, on a Lido in the Mediterranean. And yet they still can't heal the brokenhearted. Have you noticed the state of our world lately? We are the technology, not the modern because you were made to be loved. And there's not a man or woman in the world. Children, they're all a blessing from God. But I tell you, they'll never satisfy you. God loves you. And he's got a plan for your life.
Bible says about Mishibabeth, and I'll finish with this, that the king restored everything to him. Honestly, I can't believe it. All I know is this. All I know, one hand about following God, you get peace. And I'll tell you, when you're young, you don't care about peace, do you? But when you're older, peace becomes a great quality. And you get security. You get bold. You get encouragement. You get strength all from the Lord. I can honestly put my hand on my heart and tell you, since I finished Teen Challenge, I've never had a cigarette or a drink or a drug since then. The Bible says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. What a gospel. What a gospel. What a message. I'm going to give a wee call tonight to people. Two things. What I say to the young people here, first of all, who've been brought up in church, well done. What a testimony to God, the keeping power of God. Well done. Make the right choices. Keep yourself pure. Walk with God. See, the greatest men in the world I know, the man who started Teen Challenge, never had a cigarette, a drink, or a drug in his life. Name was David Wilkinson. Brought up in church. How's that? Not bad. What a testimony. So you've got a testimony, young people. I don't want you to think this is amazing. It's amazing because God delivered me. But I want you to remember it's amazing because God can keep you. I just thought I wanted to say that tonight to you. I admire you. God bless you. Keep going. Come on, folks. Give them a hand. The young people. I want to give a call tonight to people. Who is willing to be the king's ambassadors and say, God, I'm giving you my life. I want to be used for your glory. Whether that's in a factory or full-time ministry, it really doesn't matter. But you're saying, God, use me. Give me the boldness to share the gospel. Or maybe you're here tonight and you say, I need saved. I've never took a drink or a drug, but I know what it's like to carry guilt. I know what it's like to carry a burden of shame. And God says, come tonight, if you're weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for a moment, will we? Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? Could I get, is there a piano player? Somebody can play. Could you just play the piano for me for a minute? Would you close your eyes? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. I want to tell you folks, you can't make anything happen. You can't hype anything up. You can do all the talk and the big words. It's only the Holy Ghost that can do it. Holy Spirit, move right now on, on people's hearts. Move right now, Lord. Show your power. Show your love. Pour out your grace. Will you show somebody mercy tonight? Somebody who would say, Lord, if I die tonight, I don't know where I'm going. Would you accept me? And God said, yes, I would. Maybe you came with a friend and tonight your heart's pumping. And you say, ah, you're right, I've been in a room with 100 people and I still feel lonely. You're right about the guilt, the regret and the shame. You're right about it, you're right. I need to get right with God. I need to get right with God. That's a serious thing. I need to get right with God. I need to get right with God. Think about that. I need to get right with God. I need to get right with my maker. I need to put my life right tonight with him. 
You know, I'm not here to say, you're a rotten sinner like me. No, that's between you and the Holy Ghost. Only, only he can tell you what you are. But I can tell you this, he'll tell you this, God loves you. I want to ask tonight, I want to ask ambassadors here, young and old, but especially maybe young, but young and old. Do you know what? I want to refresh being an ambassador, even if that means just getting somebody a cup of water in his name. I don't care what it means, Lord. Let me be an ambassador of good news wherever I go. Let my actions and my, 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 my talk and my thought and my life shine. Let me be a living epistle to people. And there's other here, you need boldness in college, you need boldness in school, you need boldness in university. Not to be running about, shouting about it, but say, God, I'm willing to be used by you. At the right moment, in the right times, with wisdom. I want to be an ambassador. I want to go. I might not be able to go to the dark. I might not be able to go to Lodabar. But there might be people here who can say, I'll go to Lodabar. I want to be the king's messengers. I want to go to the worst of the worst and share the gospel. I want to ask you tonight if you could say, God, I want to be an ambassador for you. I want to represent the kingdom of heaven. I want to represent your love and your grace wherever I go. I want my, my talk to be seasoned with love and grace. Let me talk. It builds people up and strengthens people and touches them. Who's going to say tonight, God, use me to be an ambassador? Why don't you lift your hand right now and say, me, include me in that prayer tonight. God, use me. anybody else here tonight you would say I want to put my hand up to give my life to Jesus Christ I want to surrender my life to him I want to make him Lord because I've tried to run my life my own way and tonight I'm coming to Jesus would you do me a favour would you lift your hand right now and say would you include me in that prayer I want to give my life to Jesus tonight would you just lift your hand right now and say tonight I want to become a Christian don't even look around it's between you and God and if your heart's pumping and you're saying yeah God has spoke to me tonight don't leave don't leave here don't walk out that door is there anybody who say that's me tonight then lift up your hand and say will you pray for me one more ask and then I'm going to pray is there anybody who say tonight I'm coming to Jesus would you lift your hand right now and we'll just pray for you I'm going to pray for you that you say that prayer that changed my life that can change yours I'm going to pray and we're going to sing and as we sing and one of the pastors maybe come up and close the meeting are we okay for one more song or do we need to finish one more song I'm going to sing this song and if, again I'm going to say to ambassadors you can, what I want you to do is you put your hand up you don't need to come forward but you might want to kneel where you are you might want to stay standing you might want to sit down but just do something with God say God fill me with your spirit fill me afresh with your spirit Lord fill me with boldness fill, fill me with your courage 
as we sing this song. Father, I want to thank you for the gospel tonight. I want to thank you for your word, Lord, that seed has been sown. I thank you for the power in your word. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for every man and woman standing here, Lord, who don't know you. I pray tonight will be the start of our journey that they'll never forget this message of hope and love and grace. Never, never, never. They might be even saying in the heart, I don't need it now, Lord, but life has a way of bringing storms in, stuff you can't handle. I pray for them. They'll never forget the heard tonight how much God loves them and Jesus died for them. I pray for every ambassador here, Lord, in this church. How many have been saved in this church, Lord, since it's been built? How many souls have come in and lives have been changed? Lord, may this, this church be a beacon. May it be a light to the hopeless. Let the worst of the worst be feel come in and feel that this church is a friend of sinners, Lord. Let it be a place where you can come in and you're going to feel the power of God and the love of God. Let it be a place, Lord. Thank you for every man, woman who's been here, Lord, for many, many tri- years and trials and snares. They have already come. They were here when the first bricks were laid. They've given their life to it. And Lord, when they see it filled with young people and see things happening, let them encourage themselves in the Lord and say, no, Lord, we believe you built this church and the best is yet to come. That you've started it, Lord. You've built it in this community. So Lord, stir up every ambassador in here. Bless them, I pray. Let every mother and father be encouraged whose son, even here in this tape, who's on drugs or drink, or their daughters, let this message and this testimony give them hope and strength tonight. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.